What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the FN Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. My name is Nick Denizio. Sitting across from me is my dude, Martin Moreno. How we doing, bro? A little congested, but okay. Yeah, you sound a little congested. Yeah, it's what's, what's going bullshit. on, man? You got the Rona? But when am I not congested? I know, that's very true. Jesus Christ. It's getting exponentially more congested up there. <laughs> Coronavirus! That's very true. All right, well, we have a very big episode today. A lot of stuff to talk about, so let's just jump right into it. We're going to be covering The Last of Us, Episodes 3 and Episodes 4. Mm-hmm. Start off with Episode 3, bro, called The Long, Long Time. Finds like Joel- Long, Long Cock. <laughs> In each other's buttholes. <laughs> right in the crack. Whoa. <laughs> uh, so this episode finds Joel and Ellie making their way to Bill and Frank's after losing Tess. As they get closer to Bill's, we then jump 20 years into the past and see Bill taking over his own town after it's been evacuated from the outbreak. He stocks up on everything he can find and creates his own little isolated compound for himself. A few years later, one of his traps captures a man named Frank, who Bill reluctantly lets him stay for a meal. And after a little hot and steamy piano playing sesh, they start a relationship together. Mm -hmm. We then chronicle their journey with building a life together, meeting Joel and Tess, fighting off raiders, and ultimately growing old. And after Frank becomes seriously ill and wheelchair bound, both decide to kill themselves together in a romantic suicide pact. A little Romeo and Juliet type of situation. Exactly, exactly. So, bro, what would you think of episode three? I will say this. How'd you feel about it? This is the first time um, in the season. We're only three episodes in, but this is the first time that I actually didn't rewatch an episode. Yes. Right? Yeah. I I didn't go back and rewatch it either. Yeah, same. And I mean, I have nothing against it, but I think the main reason why I didn't watch is because every single time I would turn it on, Mm -hmm. like I would just get dizzy and like my head (laughs) would just start spinning (laughs) from all the gayness. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and I would pass out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but what I said is half true. Props to you if you understood where that joke came from. <laughs> but um, it's half true. For some reason, I just didn't, you know, and again, nothing against it. But like the first two episodes, I went and I rewatched multiple times. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't know, maybe I just didn't want to relive through it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But for some reason, there just wasn't a part of me like, like oh, I need to rewatch this. I need this. to rewatch yeah. this. Well, yeah. I was going to say, did, did the... Did the story like hook you? Like the romance work for you? Did I thought it-, it was a beautiful episode. Yeah, I really did. I think it was very beautiful. That was very well acted. I really felt and bought into the relationship of these two in, in this post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, as the resident Last of Us player, mm-hmm. video game avid player. Only you, right? Only not, me. not me. Exactly. Only, only you. This is by far the biggest departure of the game. It very much is. So that is true. Um, so that was a little that caught me a little bit off guard. But other than that, like I said, I thought it was really thought it was a really well done episode, beautifully acted. I really enjoyed seeing their life sort of progress mm-hmm. over the years since post apocalyptic world, and uh, and their sort of relationship with Tess and Joel and yeah. how it sort of started, how it eventually blossomed into what it kind of became to be, um, and just you know to kind of jump ahead. Just the letter I thought was really great. Just yeah. a little jab. Like, I don't, I never liked you. Bro. I never liked you. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like the thing. It's like, I don't like you, but I respect you. They have that mutual respect for exactly. Because they're essentially the same people, Joe and Bill. They come exactly. from the same place. They have the same values. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. It is a very beautiful episode. And Nick Offerman and Murray Barlett, who play Bill and Frank, give amazing performances. I'm sure they're going to get, they're definitely getting nominated for Emmys. I don't know if they're, I mean, Nick Offerman will probably win it. I thought Nick Offerman was fantastic. If anybody had watched Devs, even though we were disappointed with it, we knew Offerman Only in the finale. Drama. Only the finale. The, mm-hmm. the, the series itself is great. The finale, the ending was disappointing. Was like, fuck them. Fuck this shit. Fuck them. Fuck them. Offerman is great. He has shown dramatic chops before. Uh, with this episode, though, this was the one that 
critics had that had seen it said this is the best episode of the series. So automatically, once you throw that out there and people hear that, it's one of those. It's like a double edged sword because when I feel like when people watch this, even if they didn't really like buy into it as much, I feel like they're afraid to go against the grain and say that they didn't like. hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. afraid to be critical of it. Because are I you see, afraid I, to be getting? Are you afraid to get like um, labeled as a homophobe? Exactly. Or some shit like if you that? don't yeah. say positive. Exactly. If you're because, not if you're not saying it's the greatest episode, and, and don't get me wrong. I do think that in terms of a, as a single piece of television, this is probably one of the best things I've seen on TV in terms of like lo looking at it in like a box, you know Almost what I mean? Like an, as like an anthology. Yeah, or, or like a short film. Like I think exactly. in, terms, in terms of like a short film, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's really great. Uh, but the issue that I do have with it, and this is coming from like my gamer mentality, is that it is such a massive departure. And not that I had an issue with showing the overall story of where Bill and Frank came from. I am disappointed that we're left with one, not only that Bill is dead because in the game he's not dead, but we do lose out on a lot of very iconic moments from the game in the Bill section when you get to his, his mm -hmm. town because there's a great... Great banter between him and Joel. Great banter between him and Ellie. You see the history between him and Joel of what they have. Bill's also a badass. There's a lot of great moments of Bill fighting the infected that we're not going to get that I'm very disappointed about. And then also the fact, too, that narratively, you could easily look at this as a filler episode because mm -hmm. it really doesn't push anything forward. The story is bookended with uh, Joel and Ellie making their way to Bill and Frank's and then getting there and then getting what they want. And everything in between, it's it's not really relevant to the overall story. But where it does, right. where it does factor in, though, is that thematically the bill and frank relationship and their story plays to what the season's telling about love and the choices we make for it as well as for joel what what path he's currently going down and the choices he's going to make by the end this story really plays heavily into that and that's why i think it's important as to where it is in this overall story right and i think the letter is a big part of that the letter is a big part and the, and yeah. the, the let the letter is actually in the game too, except it's from Frank to Bill. So I like how they sort of switched up how it's built mm -hmm. to, to Joel and that, and that also like what it says in that letter really does hammer home. And it just made it like, that made me think about the choices that Joel makes at the end of this. What's what we're going to see him make at the end of the season mm -hmm. is what is said in that letter. And that makes more sense to where Joel is headed. Well, it's also piggybacking off of what Tess said at the, at the end of the last episode, right? Like save what you can. Joel mm -hmm. got activated. went to super like protective mode. Right. Um, and we saw, like, I thought, just like, like for me, just that little bit that we get between Joel and Ellie in the beginning was very interesting. Yeah. Kind of like going to that sort of gas station. Yeah. You know, yeah and we yeah. see a little bit of the sort of like dynamic between them. Right. Starting, slowly starting to build. You also and then, see Ellie Hat is starting to get like a bit of a sadistic streak with her killing that infected that's in like the basement. Right. That was more just like a, like I can be tough. Yeah. Like I can do exactly. like, this is literally on a silver platter for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it because sooner or later I have to start killing these fuckers. Right. I also, know? I also liked how she stood up for herself in the beginning where she's like, Hey, look, I'm not going to give you an apology, but do not blame me for Tess. Cause you guys did not have to take me right. out of here. So mm -hmm. I really dug that. Too. Yeah. So between what happened with Tess, um, what she told Joel along with the letter, it's like, it's more just sort of hammering home this whole Joel mentality of like, okay, I have to see this through, you know, pretty much like I failed saving Tess. I can't fail saving this girl, regardless of how I feel about her, of how I feel about this whole situation. I'm going to see this through just like to make amends and to just pretty much like make up for anything that I've failed at. Pretty yeah, much, no. You know? And, and, and that's kind of think what I really, what I also liked about this episode was what they did with Joel and how they really show everything lately is weighing so heavily on him because in reality, you know, he lost Tess. And then he now lost Bill and Frank, which even though he might not have considered them friends, there was trust there. And in this world, trust is more important than friendship. Right. And so, like, and even how much friends do you have? Right. In exactly. This world, that's, what, that's what I mean. So he has nobody now. All he has left is Ellie. So that's sort of become his purpose now. And his brother. 
Yeah, and his brother. That's true. That's true. He still has. Uh, he still has Tommy, which I'm. I'm really excited to get. But um, right. But it's one of those things. Like again, because like I said, I'm an avid gamer. Yes, I play this very well. Yeah. I love this game. He's lying. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that whether it's comic books, video games, whatever. Not everything is going to translate directly, and no, we just have and to. Yes. And it's, and it's yeah. our job as an audience member to either accept it or not. Right. If this could have been a shit episode that completely um, de- uh, deviated away from the game, that could have sucked. Right. You know what is what it is. But if it's done well, you know we're just looking at it uh, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. It's a different medium. It's a different. You know, while yes, it's the same story and it's the same sort of brand. Like we got to see it in its own sort of light yeah. and kind of depart you know we yes. can't shit on it just because no, it's different no, 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 from no. the game yeah, yeah no absolutely you know? and and, so. and the disappointments that i have are my own and my own opinions it had it doesn't take away from you know the the choices that they made for this episode where they want to take the story i still really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and like and as i'm watching this i'm just thinking to myself like i love this world like what we basically get like this is the first 10 minutes of up set in the last of us universe mm-hmm. that's basically what this is and yeah. i was i was cool with that but with gays <laughs> instead of a sweet old couple instead of a sweet old couple mm-hmm. <laughs> The effing nerds love the gays. It's true. We're not homophobic. We're not homophobic. We love, <laughs> them all. we love them all. My opponent's gay. I walked in. I saw him. I said, wow, this guy's gay. <laughs> okay, let's move on to episode four. Please hold on to my hand. Ellie and Joel leave Bill and Frank's and embark on their journey to find Tommy in Wyoming. Along the way, they are forced to abandon their truck in Kansas City after getting ambushed by a group of raiders. Come to find out the Raiders are a group of rebels who took over the Kansas City QZ and now run the city led by a ruthless leader named Kathleen, played by Melanie Linsky. Joel and Ellie are forced to sneak through the city as a means to escape and end up hunkering down for the night. While sleeping, Ellie wakes up Joel, who finds them at gunpoint by none other than Henry and Sam. Yeah, and which you don't know about. I don't know anything about Henry and yeah. Sam. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say about this episode. Uh, I thought it was... Uh good solid episode it kind of felt like it felt like a setup episode yeah there was some good action there it was very quiet mm-hmm. it, nothing really much happened um but second episode without clickers yeah it's a little interesting come on if you saw the preview for next week yeah we got a bloater we got a bloater coming in which is yeah. really exciting i can't um, wait for that so it does look like we're we got some uh some clickers coming through the ground in uh in some weird storage unit there in the city but um but yeah it looks like we're gonna get a, a heavy dose of that in the next episode of makeup for the last two but yeah, overall, you know, solid episode. It's good to see the uh, relationship and dynamic between Ellie and Joel continue to grow mm-hmm. um, in a more positive way. Right. So uh, and so that was fun to see. And yeah, just more Joel being a badass. Yeah, much. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was probably my biggest takeaway from this episode is a lot of key building moments between Joel and Ellie and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really see Ellie's... I guess, you know, because like the thing that I noticed throughout the whole episode is Joel sort of has like this uh, this remorse for her because she has like a loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. You know, she can't just be a kid. You know, she has to sort of like just adapt to this world and all like the horrors that are in it, you know, and you really get a good sense of that when she has to shoot the guy that's about to kill Joel. And that's a moment from the game. And it's funny because in the game, she actually kills the guy and it's it's her first kill. So I like that they sort of twisted a little bit and she already has done something, which I'm assuming we're going to eventually see what it is. I didn't is. think you'd remember when I told you that, but yeah, yeah. I, know, I guess bro. I know. I see. I got a good memory, bro. I, I guess you were memory. paying attention. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then there's also just, like you said, a lot of really funny moments with, with the whole, like the pun book that, that was a recurring thing throughout the, uh, mm-hmm. throughout the episode. A lot of, you know, jokes that they threw in together. Joel. Hmm. Did you know diarrhea is hereditary? What? Yeah. It runs in your genes. 
That is so goddamn stupid. <laughs> you laughed, motherfucker. I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. Jesus, I'm losing it. You're losing it big time. Um, the other thing that I really liked was the uh, the porno mag, which is another callback to the game, <laughs> which was fucking hysterical. Like I, that, that's that's a really funny moment in the game, and I'm glad that they brought it in here. Like this this episode is really accurate to a lot of what goes on in the game, which I was I was happy to see after. I mean, not that episode three was was you know bad or anything, but. It was a departure from you know what we know from the game. Well, so in this the was game, a nice comeback for that. They go to Pittsburgh, here in Kansas City. Mm. So there was that was a bit of a right, a little, little bit of a departure, but, but still, still so pretty accurate. Which pretty doesn't accurate. make sense why you would be going down to Kansas City if you're trying to go to Wyoming. If you're in Boston, why are you going down only to go up? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little bit of a geographical mistake there. Well, I mean, me. you see, they have to constantly keep making detours because of cars on the road and shit like that. So it's probably the only uh, route that they could possibly Sounds take. Sounds like poor writing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag not my last of us. Hashtag not my last of us. Uh, how'd you feel about Melly Linsky in this uh, in this episode? I thought she was fine. I didn't really think they were, I thought, actually, I thought all that stuff with the Raiders was a little weird. I, I, I honestly thought she was a little miscast. I but, didn't like, really buy, but I didn't, but it wasn't just her. I thought, like, I just felt like everything about that just was flat. Yeah. Like there wasn't, you know, she comes out here, she makes some weird statements that don't really have any context. Right. That don't really land. Right. Which I'm assuming we'll understand more next episode. Yeah. But. And then she kind of goes and kills a dude and it's like, okay, but like, I'm like, what are the, what's going on here? Right. Like, like what's, what, what's, people? what's the story? What's happening? Yeah. Like, you know, um, clearly she's got, clearly these people are loyal to her. Well, I guess we'll see why, but I just thought overall the whole Raiders and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I was just like, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, like with with her, because because I, I like her as as an actor, but I don't know. Like I, I feel like she was she was miscaster because she's supposed to be like this ruthless leader. That's how she's described, like very ruthless. And she kind of came across as like an apocalyptic, like Karen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she just has like that tone. Maybe it's because in Yellow Jacket she's playing like a mom, and even though she's crazy in that show too, it just I don't know. I just didn't feel like ruthless leader for Melanie Linsky in this. You well, know? I didn't really feel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I just felt like that whole thing was uh all that whole like even like why did they bring him out to the middle of the street? Right. You know, like what's, I don't know, I'm not really sure what what's going on. I here. mean, all, all we do know is that they are a group that took over a, uh, a QZ. Mm-hmm. Like they basically fought their way and took over a QZ. So whoever they are, I mean, I hope next episode we get a little more context, which I'm sure we will. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It just sort of comes out of nowhere. And it's not that you need to be like spoon fed, like the story of who these people are, because eventually I think we will figure out. But yeah, it definitely didn't land like I think the way it should have. Yeah. You know, um, it was also cool to see Jeffrey Pierce, uh, who plays Perry in the show. He plays Tommy in the game. So another actor kind of coming in and uh, he, he was good. He was really good. I, I really I really enjoyed him, even though he didn't have a whole lot to do. But uh, from what he's teased, he's going to get a lot more to do next episode, which is kind of how I feel about this. It just feels like it's like, oh, can't wait for the next episode, next episode, next episode. Because like I said, this feels, feels like a whole lot of setup. Right. You know. And for the next episode of Last of Us, we're actually getting it this Friday as to not compete with the Super Bowl on Sunday. So double dose of Last of Us on a short week, which is nice. All right, let's move on and talk about our favorite totally stable superhero company. DC, bro. The DCU. Finally. The new somewhat. The new somewhat new. Continue slash rebooted. Somewhat rebooted, soft rebooted. Yeah, slash. Hey, what's going on here? Tell me what's up. What's up? So The DCAU. (laughs) The DCAU. Uh, so James Gunn and Peter Safran finally came out with the first part, I guess, because it's not all of chapter one. It's only a chunk of it. So I guess we'll get the rest later on. But it's like the what's the what's the end part of a book? Is it the epilogue? The epilogue is the end part. Yeah. the end, So yeah. it's like the epilogue of this fucking <laughs> 10 year mess mess that has been the DCU that's also serving as a chapter one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, so before we get to chapter one of the DCU mm-hmm. that James Gunn and Peter Safran have laid out. 
2023 slate is still somewhat in play. They mm-hmm. doubled down saying all these movies are still technically part of the continuity with The Flash serving as a soft reboot to the DCU mm-hmm. where some things will change and some things will stay the same, which I'm a little mixed about because I feel like we're cherry picking what we want to keep and what we don't. The biggest change being that Cavill and Affleck are gone. Pretty much. Uh, Gunn did say that he really enjoys Cavill. He thinks he's a great guy and that he was dicked around by the previous regime and all the wrong people. But the story that Gunn is about to tell is not for him. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to why it's not for him. Gunn did double down and there's a big push on The Flash because The Flash is going to be somewhat of a reboot for this franchise, as we said. Gunn called it one of the greatest superhero movies he's ever seen. And WB is coming out of like a 15 plus year hiatus uh, of the Super Bowl and they're showing a Flash Super Bowl ad and they haven't done that in God knows how long. So they're spending all that money. So they're really putting a lot of emphasis on The Flash. Well, this is going to be pretty much the first film of this sort of... Technically, yeah. yeah. This is going to kick everything off. So... If anything, this movie is more important than anything because Absolutely. it has to really sort of reboot the universe and go from there. And it makes sense. That's always been the thing when it comes to The Flash. The Flash has always been the reset. In comics, button. right? Yeah, in comics yeah. and just in anything. Yeah. If you want to reset something, you have The Flash, you have the Paradox sort of storyline, you can use that to reset your world. But the problem is, is that the people who were in charge were fucking idiots yeah. and just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and now we have someone like James Gunn who knows these characters, knows this world, and can like despite what's going on in that film, can maybe make some alterations to properly reset everything and start doing his own sort of thing and kick off his uh, his run as a DC, DCAU. DCAU. Uh, uh, main I, bitch in charge. Right. Uh, I did think it was smart, though, that even if it's not true, even if like Zach Levi doesn't come back, if Momoa doesn't come back, it was smart on their part to say that the 2023 slate is still somewhat in play. You should still go see these movies because they will factor in, even though I have a funny feeling that none of these actors are coming back. I disagree. I think, I think they're going to continue with them because to me, it doesn't make sense to announce these projects without having some core members in place this sounds like a phase two or phase three like if we were actually looking at it as marvel Mm -hmm. these are the sort of like secondary characters like the sort of right like these are your guardians of the galaxy these are your um these are your ant-man ant-man yeah so these are like your sort of phase two phase three like these aren't your core avengers members Mm -hmm. like so what marvel did obviously we can't go off of what marvel did but if we're talking about the justice league like your main team it's wonder woman Batman, Superman, like you're, tr- you, you need your Trinity, right? You need your Trinity. So we're essentially rebooting two of them. Right. I assume to me, it just, I, I feel like we're going to hold on to Momoa for a little bit longer. We're going to hold on to Gal, to Shazam, to all these characters, because we need some sort of core Justice League members in place. If right. there's not, then I don't understand how you really build to a universe with, without with, with the slate that we get. Yeah. Because then you're building to what, with a superhero mashup team, of like Suicide Squad characters, Batman, Superman, one Supergirl, right? Uh, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, yeah. like that to me is not. It, it it's doesn't, not, doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work. No, yeah. Could it work? Maybe. Right. But to me, but I want my core members. I want the Flash. Mm-hmm. The fuck is going on out there? Ah, uh-huh. rowdy. Some hoes out there. I want the Flash. I want Cyborg. <laughs> I I want you know Superman. Mm-hmm. Bat- like I want my core just like member in the forefront and uh, and yeah, you know, like we have. I feel like it's going to be a sort of soft reboot slash continuation with something still in place. Yeah. The question is, which Justice League was 
is canon. Exactly. Well, I, <laughs> justice or justice. Like I don't. Well, and I, I think that that's why the Flash is such a major point now for the DCU because mm-hmm. in in the film I have a funny feeling. Obviously, that the Flash is going to blow the multiverse open. So I almost feel like that they're going to be that doors are going to be left open to say, hey. We can we can pluck from the Snyderverse. We can pluck from the Keaton verse if we want if we want to. Not that they're going to, but the doors well, are they're open. doing it already, right? And the doors are open for it if they if they ever want to do it. So with this kind of like mashup that's about to happen, I'm really curious to see. And, I, and I'm tr- I'm trusting Gunn because I feel like Gunn and Saffron have really laid out mm-hmm. this story going forward. So right, like for me when that slate originally came out, I was like, this is fucking weird. It was. It like, was really weird. These again, these were like kind of secondary characters, characters that weren't too familiar with like the general audience that a lot of people i'm sure don't really know about and i'm like if you want to reboot your world or kind of start something new like why aren't you announcing a new wonder woman movie mm-hmm. or a new or a new aquaman a new aquaman yeah. stuff like that like why aren't you like bring in your core justice league members and instead you're giving me like all these sort of secondary kind of and some stuff is even unknown yeah some stuff is yeah. even unknown so i'm like this this kind of doesn't really make sense but then once we saw james gunn's video mm-hmm. and watching him explain it and really pretty much say that like each movie is sort of going to lead into the other one with Flash having huge implications. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, now I'm a little bit, more, a little bit more on board, and it did make me believe that like we are going to keep some of it moving forward, and some is going to go, i.e., Cavill and Batfleck. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's jump into what the DCU Chapter One looks like, and then stop me <laughs> if you want to say anything. I'm just going to fucking plow through this because I basically this is, this is the Spark Notes version. All right, the DCU Chapter Plow you, bro. Chapter One. Gods and Monsters. Bill and Frank style. Bill and Frank style. <laughs> so on the film side, we have Superman Legacy, dated for July of 2025, with a young Superman said to be around 25 years old. We then go into The Authority, which I know nothing about. Who are you people? No idea. Do you know? Uh, very, like... Very little, right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it's not like I've read a story. I've just seen pictures of them. Right. Uh, then we jump into The Brave and the Bold, which will introduce the new Batman to the DCU and have Damian Wayne as Robin. Uh, the movie is also said to be the start of introducing the Batman family finally because they've been left out for so many years. So mm-hmm. I'm really, ex- I'm actually really excited for that. I want to see the Bat family. Like I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm mm-hmm. ready. I know you're a little hesitant on seeing like Robin and yeah, I feel like to me like Robin is it's like it's hard. It's hard to do. It's 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 been yeah. hard to do in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like you having like a kid running around. But Damian right. Wayne is a. It's a fascinating choice. You mm-hmm. know, we're not going to Grace, so we're not going Jason Todd. We're going to go Damian Wayne. That's fine because that's interesting because it has so much. You, obviously, you can explore the dad and son mentality. That's mm-hmm. sort of dad and son dynamic right. between Batman and Damian, which is going to be fun to see. Also, does this mean that we're going to jump straight into a somewhat established Batman? So this is what Gunn said about the world and how it Boom. differs from the MCU and that where the MCU started with superheroes not existing in the world. Gunn said that when we catch up with these characters with Superman Legacy, with Brave and the Bold, superheroes are part of the are part of the world. They're part of the universe. And they've been there for a long time. So we're basically jumping into a world that, they've has, already been that has superheroes already established, which I do like. Yeah. I think that that's going to work. I, you know, no origins, none of that. Mm-hmm. We're just jumping right in as if it's like the restart of a comic book. Like when when you, you know, the latest Batman run that Tom King did, like jumping in. It's already established who everybody is. And right. we're, we're jumping into a brand new story. So I feel like that's what they're going to do here. Right. Okay. So that's interesting because that'll be a fun dynamic to explore. We've never really explored the sort of father-son dynamic with um with with Bruce. Yeah. Um, in I think the closest we've gotten to that was like the Schumacher films, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that'll be fun. And not just that, but Damien has a lot of ties to Talia. Yep. Um, which I've always said Selena number one, mm-hmm. Batman's love. Right. Talia number two, uh-huh. and then Andrea Beaumont. Yes. Those are those are always Batman's three main loves, Selena, Talia, Andrea. 
So, I'm, I'm waiting for the day when Phantasm comes in. I'm waiting, patiently waiting. It ain't gonna happen anytime soon, but I'm patiently waiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really interesting too because if they want to recast Gal Gadot, she would literally make the perfect Talia. You've always said that too. I've, I've said you've that said for a long one. time. Yeah, since day one, I think Gal Gadot would be like uh, would be like the almost best live action casting of um, Talia Al Ghul. But like I'm saying, um, Damien has ties to Talia, to Ra's Al Ghul, to the, to League of Shadows or League of Assassins. I don't know whatever they want to fucking call it. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. And yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. Let's, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> let's, let's, let's see. I'm, let's, let's see what I'm happens. excited. Yeah. All right. So following that, we then get Supergirl World, World of Tomorrow, which is based on the Tom King book. Uh, and then finally, we round things off on the film side with Swamp Thing, which is very interesting. Very interesting. But again, if we want to talk about how the sort of MCU was sort of genre bending, mm -hmm. like, you know, you think of Iron Man, how it dealt with like terrorism, like war terrorism and stuff. You think of. You know, Captain America, when you're soldiers, like a political thriller. Political thriller, yeah. Ant-Man is like a heist, heist film, yeah. so like that. You know, space, Guardians of the Galaxy is like your space opera. Yep. Um, so I'm thinking can bring like a horror element right. to this, you know. And I've always felt like Batman should be the one bringing the horror element. <laughs> Whatever. We got we got the Batman. We did. Which is like a thriller Fincher style type of right, movie. Right. It's like the next best thing. But Swamp so Thing will definitely bring that sort of like horror aspect into, um, into the DCU. And that's going to be really interesting to see how that blends in with with sort of with everything, everything else, because yeah. clearly they're going to go full supernatural right you know they're going to go full alien full, full like supernatural um um share universe which makes sense i don't think anyone was questioning that but when you just think of films like batman Nolan's trilogy which are very grounded in realism right that's never really been the case with uh snyderverse dcu whatever you want to call it yeah, yeah. alien some scare and stuff like that um so clearly we're going to stay on that sort of supernatural route it's going to be a lot of fun and see how that sort of connects you know because yeah. i love something yeah no Swamp it, is an incredible character and I, I was a big fan of the show i was really upset when it got canceled so i'm excited to see uh more of it yeah and this also opens the door for them to, to do justly dark yeah bring in demons bring in edrigan bring right. in satana bring in a bunch of different characters you know with swamp thing leading the charge exactly you know exactly uh then moving on to the hbo max side of things we start off with creature commandos which is going to be an animated series mm -hmm. Waller, which is the next iteration in, the, in this whole Peacemaker, James Gunn, Suicide Squad side of things, following Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Then we get Booster Gold, which people have just been asking about for the last like five years. Why Booster Gold, Booster Gold, Booster Gold? Well, now you're finally going to get it. Ugh. I know. Uh, then we get to Lanterns, bring Hal and John in. And right off the bat, this is my, this is probably my most anticipated project of this new DCU. I'm with you. Because Same. the fact that it's basically a cosmic true detective they're investigating some sort of mystery that's going to tie into, I guess, whatever the major plot point is of, of chapter I one. I think that's going to tie into the big threat. Of yeah. Whatever the big whatever threat is, whatever being. they decide to do, I think that's going to sort of tie into it. And it's going to be very similar. Like when you think of, you know, with Thanos, um, like if you think of what happened in the beginning of Infinity War, like when Thanos comes in and destroys Thor's ship, like it's like this big sort of like um, situation. I think something's going to happen along the lines where, in this show, we're gonna get. They're gonna be investigating whatever may be, whatever they're investigating is going to lead into the bigger threat. Yeah, and that's going to then tie into the overall yeah. team up film of right. you know. And I'm almost, almost just happy we're getting Hal and John like together, like, yeah. like right off the bat. Like that's really cool. Like I don't know who they're gonna cast. I've seen a lot of fan casting. I think Glenn Powell is coming in for either Booster Gold or for Hal. Yeah, I think Glenn point. Powell would be great, and he's been playing a lot of sort of. By, like <laughs> what he, who he played in Top Gun Maverick is Hal. Yeah, Hal's very cocky. He's a very arrogant person, and um, and yeah, I think Glenn Powell could pull that off. I know everyone's clamoring for it, and I think that would be like um, a, a like a good fan casting. Yeah. Do you have anyone for John Stewart? 
Anyone off the bat? I do like the guy from Army of the Dead. I don't oh, know what his uh, name is. Amari Hardwick. Yes. Yeah. I do like him. Yeah, I like him too. I think John Stewart is a tough person to cast because, I mean, you know, other than Tyrese, I don't really see anyone else playing him. <laughs> and I think he's the only one that could really bring him justice. But oh, I Tyrese Terry's about to throw on a ton more audition tapes for, uh, for John Stewart. Please. Please. Now. Ah! Now. I hope that never happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, I like Amari Hardwick. Uh, yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, he's also from Power. Yeah. yeah who's, so. who's, um, oh my God, who's the guy from, what's that movie, Loose? With uh, t- uh, Tim Roth. And it's it's about the kid. Oh, you know what for, I'm talking about? Yeah, not him. He's not him? too young. He's too young at this point. Well, he's, I don't think he's too young, but I think he's a little too, um, too much uh, of a baby face. Yeah, maybe he's got like a little like that rugged look. Yeah, Yeah. I don't really buy him as a superhero. He's a little too maybe. I don't want to say childish because he was also in um, the um, Aaron Sorkin film. Yes, Um, I like him a lot. I do too. I do like him a lot. Yeah. What's the fuck is his name? I I completely forget. forgot. I'm I'm like, uh, I forgot. uh, Hold on, I'm I'm looking this up. I'm gonna give my my man some respect Mm -hmm. because I also thought that if they were, he was also in. um, Wasn't he? He was also in Waves. Yes, he was in Waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's the he's great, man. Yeah, like I honestly think that if they were going to do like a Valzad movie, I think he'd be great for Valzad, right? What do you think? Well, wow, how tall is he? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I'm very um I'm very shallow when it comes to my superhero. I know um, actors, and it's not. I mean, you know, it's just the day and age. You know, society. It's it's a time that we grew up on superhero films because everyone takes it really upon themselves to like physically look like comic book counterparts. Yes. You know, so. Well, I also think that if the, he was to get cast, I think he would. Like he seems bro, how like he, fucking long does it take you to Google someone? I'm sorry, bro. I was I was spelling "trial" the Chicago Seven wrong, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I'm a I'm a terrible speller. I'm not a smart man. Well, a, of all the movies, that's the one you look. You just look up Waves. He's the main actor. In <laughs> I know. Waves. I should have typed in Waves. Kelvin Harrison Jr. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Kelvin Harrison. I think Jr. I think he, I think he could do it. I think he's great. I think he's a yeah. great actor. I really want to see him in more projects. I feel like he's kind of. Um, Quieted down a little bit because he had a nice little run. Oh, he was in Elvis. He did. He played BB King. Oh, okay, nice. Well, I didn't see Elvis. I didn't see Elvis either. A A A. But yeah, that's uh, Lan- Lanterns is my early early stage multi yeah. project. Yeah, I would. I'm go leaning towards for now. I'm sure they'll cast someone and it'll be great. I'm leaning towards like Murray Hardwick and uh, Glenn Powell yeah. for for these. And again, I, I, like I think. That. I feel the fact that they meant they're referencing it as like a sort of true detective. Yeah. Like I'm hoping it's some dark shit. I do too. Like, like, like I, I want to like, go full blown, like give me the some hard injust- shit. One of like the, one of the craziest fucking, um, like moments in, in comic book, like that I've personally had reading comic books was an injustice. It was when, um, Kyle Garner, like he's, it, I, I can't, I think it was like chapter four. So I can't really remember which issue it was, but like, He's just flying, you know, across the sun, being Kyle Garner, being all cheesy, being all goofy. Out of nowhere, like, Sinestro and his squad show up. They tie him down. They chop his finger off. Yeah. So, like, they pretty much take off his ring. Right. And then they just, like, rip all his limbs off, and they leave him there burning in the sun. Holy shit. It was fucking dark. Damn. And it left me, like, holy shit. Like, it left me shook. <laughs> that gives me a little uneasy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if it's something like that where, like... Like they're, uh, like, a member, they're investigating like a murder or something. A murder, yeah, yeah. Like a Green Lantern gets murdered. Right. And they have to investigate it. And Dude, like give me that, that, bro. Yeah, and that's sort of what's going to lead into this sort of like worldwide threat. Right. You know, whether it be like the Yellow Lanterns or Red Lanterns or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. 
I think something like that. Like I would love it if we pretty much open up with like a shocking murder, right. and it, it has to bring in Hal and George. Hal, oh, I'm, all, I'm all about that. Yeah, that'd Wait, be was it was a uh, Sinestro ever a Justice League villain? Was he ever big enough for that or no? No, it, okay. it, it can't just be Sinestro. Yeah. Sinestro is always part of something else, whether right. it's like the League of Do- Legion of Doom or mm-hmm. something. You know, yeah. Um, it's it's never gonna be just, just him. him. Yeah, yeah. but. Okay. I would love it if they go that route. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally rounding off the HBO Max series, we have Paradise Lost, which is going to be a prequel on Themyscira that that predates uh, both Wonder Woman films. Now, I don't know where this falls in terms of continuity. I don't know if we're going to be seeing like Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright return. If this is part That's of gonna be Gal's a very thing. interesting question. Very interesting. Like, is this the Wonder Woman Themyscira that we've known for these last couple films between justice league wonder woman one and right. wonder woman two mm-hmm. right or is this gonna be something completely different with all new characters so that's that's gonna be a big indication if i think if gal's coming back or not or right. i mean maybe even not it doesn't even matter at this point the fucking things reset anyway she's she gonna can, come back yeah i think she i think she will we come can't back. do our justice league team up movie without wonder woman no i mean, we're definitely gonna get a wonder woman it's just is it gonna be gal or is it gonna be somebody else but don't you think that if we were going to get a wonder woman they wouldn't have, they would have announced it i would have thought that too i definitely would have thought that too um but yeah i guess i guess we'll definitely see mm-hmm. uh and then finally uh uh, the DCU will have a sub brand, which I mean, we've been waiting for, and I don't know why they never did this from the start. But DC Elseworlds has been officially announced, which will include Joker 2, which comes next October. Uh, the Penguin series with Colin Farrell, which starts filming at the end of this month, and it's going to be eight episodes long. Colin Farrell just announced that. Uh, the Batman Part 2 official title gets dated October 3rd, we have 2025. A date. We have a date. We bro. have a fucking Finally. date. And I'm excited. I hope that is a comfortable date. I hope that date was. Um discussed came to fruition I, I think and discussed it, I think with it was. reeves you know i, think it was, reeves, I hope reeves i hope said, they didn't yeah. go to reason like we're doing it this this day mm-hmm. so make sure you're fucking ready by no then. because when they announced it reeves like literally had a retweet storm retweeting all this stuff saying how excited he was for for this i'm for this so day. excited yeah, and again I, I know we had this sort of like elseworlds banner but it's like in a way, I sort of like feel for James Gunn because I'm like, I have to deal with the mess of these fucking idiots. Because yeah. the people didn't know what they were doing. Right. They're like, oh, sure, let's just release, let's just like put this Joker movie out. Let's put it out in a different band. Like, they were just throwing shit left and right. And like, they literally left it to James to clean up this mess. Yeah, dude. Like, I would say we're going to do a few moments later because I need to find what James Gunn said about the previous regime because it's absolutely hilarious. A few moments later. All right. And we're back. So here I found it. So this is from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Gunn took direct aim at those previously in charge for taking a piecemeal approach to the IP. As everyone here probably knows, the history of DC is pretty messed up. It was fucked up, Gunn said. No one is minding the mint. They were giving away IP like they were party favors at any creator who smiled at them. He then added, the, there's the Arrowverse, there's the DCEU, which was then split and became the Joss Whedon Justice League at one point, and then the Snyderverse. At another point, there's Superman and Lois and the Reevesverse. There's all these different things, Gunn said. Uh, and even us, we came in, did Suicide Squad that became Peacemaker. All of a sudden, Batmite is a real thing. <laughs> so he was basically just blasting how DC is a complete mess and how him and Saffron just have this incredible job of trying to clean this up and make something cohesive out of it. And hopefully they succeed. We're rooting for them. Absolutely. You know, whatever. I'm if, rooting for you. Yeah, I'm rooting for you. You know, I'm hoping that you guys can pull it off. I'm really excited. It's interesting, too, because I've always seen DC as the gods. Right. When you think about, like, Arthur, like the Atlantean. Yep. Super Clark, Superman, right. Wonder Woman, Themyscira, you know, like I've always seen them as the gods. I've always seen Marvel as the monsters. It's like the mutation, the radiation, literally mutants. Um, Hulk is gamma radiation. Right. Fucking Spider-Man is a radioactive spider bite. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. I've always <laughs> seen them as like sort of monsters and DC as the gods. But, you know, they're going to incorporate a little bit of monsters in there too. And I'm excited because 
there is already a sort of gods and monsters run in DC, mm-hmm. and that was focused on the trilogy, right? Where Superman landed in Mexico mm-hmm. instead of America, right. and you know he's a Mexican. <laughs> where uh, Batman's like an actual like vampire, right? Like he actually has like a bat, like um he he messes with like Batman and he gets and he becomes like an actual vampire. Um, and I can't remember what Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman was like she was from. I believe she was from. Um, I believe she was from Apocalypse, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But that who who did that run? Um, I can't remember. Okay. I really can't. But that had like a crazy sort of like red wedding scene. Really? On Apocalypse with like Orion and everything. It was like it was supposed to be like a wedding, but there's like deception, like murder and stuff. Oh, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> but I remember reading. It was like such an interesting story. Um, clearly, that's not going to be the, the case here with Gods and Monsters, but. I'm really excited for for what's to come. Yeah, same. Uh, looking at like the production side of things with this new slate, obviously still very early ages. We do know that James Gunn is writing Superman Legacy. At the meeting that they did, Saffron was really pushing him to direct, so we'll see if that actually happens. James Mangold is in super early talks to direct Swamp Thing. James Mangold wants to do it. Apparently, he's been chasing the project for years. He has to do this Bob Dylan movie first, and then he'll do Swamp Thing next. Obviously, Swamp Thing is the last film on their slate in mm-hmm. terms of this little chunk, so... That'll probably come. I really hope he does it, though, because uh, I think with what they're doing, you know, with things like the Authority and Swamp Thing and a lot of other projects, it's not known to the general public. And you need the general public to be successful. It's just what mm-hmm. it comes down yeah. to. So the casting for these movies needs to be big. And the, and the directing, I think the direction needs to be big, too. I think you need A-list talent to collect. Whatever, whatever this Authority thing is, you need an A-list director and you need A-list talent playing these characters right. because so you, can, need, you need to really bring people in. Because no one's going to rush out opening weekend to see them, but if it has legs right. and if it's good and get a good word of exactly. mouth. You know? And if you get and, a big, if you get a big name director to do and it. And I'm not going to like, and I'm going to go back to what I originally said, you know, when, um, Sazlala, whatever his Zaz-Lala. name. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think James Gunn is going to, this is going to happen, but like if you put out these movies and they're not, necessarily the most successful you mm-hmm. know but you have an overall plan stick to it right you know by the time you, you your, if your team of movie fails then you can worry right but right now keep building up to that event into that major sort of um uh cross this universe whatever you're event. doing whatever you're building yeah, whatever yeah. maybe yeah well and that that's what i loved about this uh this state of the union that that gun and saffron did because gun doubled down basically saying he's like look screenwriting comes first he's like i've I've seen films that that go into production with a half written script. And then as the movie's shooting, they're finishing the script as it's being as it's being done. He's like, the screenwriting comes first. When the script is done, then we'll go into production. Then we'll give a release date. He goes, we're not going to jump mm-hmm. ahead and do that. So I'm like, all right, that's exactly what I want to hear. You know, Kevin Feige was watching all this and like wiping a tear. He was. He's like, yeah. oh. he's like look, I'm a protege. Like, because <laughs> he was like, the, some of the things that he was saying was very Feige-esque. Yes. I love his presentation that he had. It, which, it's, it's, it was Marvel. It was like Marvel. It was the Marvel graphic. It was the Marvel yeah. graphic. Tug the timeline. Yeah. Like, he's like, hey, Kevin, can I get that template? Yeah. And like, he gave it to <laughs> me. It was like this, the exact same thing. Um, and yeah, it's... DC has gone on and on and on about the plan, this plan that they have. We've seen it over and over again, but now it looks like there's some sort of cemented plan in place. Right. We got to trust it. We got to believe in it. Look, no one's going to be, he's not going to please everyone. Right. He knows his people. You're going to have the, uh, Zack Snyder's my daddy, Snyder verse cultist who are going to be like, sell DC to Netflix. Who who are like, this sucks. I'm going to refuse to watch it. You're going to have people from Marvel who are like, what a traitor. He went from Marvel to DC. Like you're going to have all so many people hating on him for so many different reasons. You know, for me, I think this is exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, 
whoever they're gonna like the casting yeah you know like who's yeah, gonna the, be the, our, ca- the casting is gonna be big who's gonna be our superman for the next 10 years who's gonna be our batman for the next 10 years you know there's gonna be you know where it's no secret now that if you're signing on to do these types of films right. you're in for the long haul right you know that's just the way these franchises work nowadays and uh right and i'm well, pumped and the big thing too is after this meeting happened there were obviously you know people insiders commenting people that work within wb saying that gun and saffron are almost more organized than marvel's been in terms of like what they've laid out because they already know where the 10-year story goes and mm-hmm. how it ends and they have assembled this writer room with the likes of drew goddard tom king uh, Christina Hodgson and a couple other writers as well. So we we'll also like, have some ties to like DC and right, Warner Brothers. You absolutely, know? yeah. So it's like they they have a plan in place, which to me is like the best thing that I could hear. So while I was a little like, you know, head scratch, you know, once I saw what the slate was, and it was weird to me like how everything was laid out. I'm like, I'm just gonna go with it because I'm confident that these guys are as confident as they are in the slate mm-hmm. that they're announcing and where their story is going. Exactly. Um, the other takeaway from this too, just some of the things that that I noticed uh, and that I was reading about. Ben Affleck is still very much in play. They said they've had multiple meetings with him. He sort of helped architect this whole thing of where they're going. So that was exciting to see that he's somewhat, you know, involved in this and that he really wants to direct a project. Now, Gunn said that he does, he's not going to direct anything in this first chunk, but a lot of people think that he might be involved in Brave and the Bold. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens, but at some point he will direct a project for DC, whichever one ends up being, you know, we're all going to be waiting for that. Um, you know, and then it's just the fact that, you know, my biggest takeaway was how everything is going to be connected. That was mm-hmm. what I wanted to know. Yeah. Like, everything needs to be connected. And how there are going to be some stakes in these movies coming out. Because right. like we were saying, when we saw the trailer for Shazam, we're like, it looks like whatever, but do I really care for this? Right. You know? Yeah. But which, apparently- which is kind of sad to say, because it's like, it's not like I need a, a shared universe for everything. But when yeah. it comes to comic book properties, and, and you could blame Marvel for this, it's become the standard that it's like, all right, well, where's this going to go? Like, But not just this, that. I just feel like into? DC has been such a mess. It has. And it just like, yeah. it just sours your taste buds. And like, you know, this movie has, this sequel, whatever has been the development for years, you know, and mm-hmm. everything has been just such a fucking mess. So it's like, it kind of just turns you off a little bit. But it sounds like, yeah, like, yeah, hey, don't, you know, go check it out. It, it is all... These next couple of films that we got coming out between Shazam, um, what was it? Shazam, Flash, Flash, Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle, and, and Aquaman, Aquaman. They're too. all going to play into this larger plan that we have in in place. So right. good. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy, happy that yeah. you know because they looked at those movies and they said, yeah. "All right, we don't want to just cast these aside. How can we work these into our new plan mm-hmm. as well?" Because we said that we're like you either. You either just put these movies out, try to put a bow on it, and just restart like now. Like I don't want you to wait till you're done. Just restart now, so that yeah. way you know we can get movies um a little quicker and get projects a little quicker. Or you do some sort of share some sort sort of shared universe with the characters you have in place. Mm-hmm. And now that, that looks like that's what they're doing. And uh, and it's just a wait and see for now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last things Gunn tweeted out: What were the four? comic books that has inspired where his first chapter is going and these are the ones that he that he picked and and it's not going to be anything shocking um all-star superman which is by grant morrison Mm -hmm. uh the the a lot of grant morrison a lot of grant morrison Mm -hmm. uh the authority by ellison miller um obviously i don't know who that is and it's funny after he tweeted out these four comic books they all sold out on amazon (laughs) all four sold out i was pissed because i wanted to buy them too uh, Batman by Grant Morrison, Omnibus Volume 1, obviously is a big inspiration for Brave and the Bold. Uh, and then Absolute Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. 
Mm-hmm. And then as well as Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King. But he said that those first four are- Which that has, a, that has like a Gods and Monsters vibe to it because Down Supergirl Girl lands- run? No, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom King run. Oh, for, Tom, oh, oh, for Superman, Girl, Girl yeah, of Tomorrow. Because yeah, because that um, Supergirl, Girl of Tomorrow, because she lands on a different planet rather than Earth. You right. Know, so. And is that Supergirl going to be the one from The Flash? That's We don't know yet. Yeah, so. That's, that's the thing. Like, There's a lot of casting still up in the air. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Uh, and then this is the last thing I have for her, and it was actually pretty funny. Uh, Peter Safran- I guess somebody asked him about Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And this is what Peter Safran had to say about it. Uh, Batgirl's a character that inevitably we will include in our story. On the Batgirl front, it's not about late in the process of the film getting canceled. I saw the movie, and there is a lot of incredibly talented people in front of and behind the camera on that film, but that film was not releasable. And it happens sometimes. The film was not releasable. I actually think that David Zasloff and the team made a very bold and courageous decision to cancel it because it would have hurt DC. It would have hurt those people involved. So doubling down, the background movie was not good. So everyone there that's clamoring out there that thinks that, you know, oh, why did it get canceled? Because it's a woman, because of minorities, blah, blah, blah. This is your this is one of your bosses that just came in saying this movie sucked and we could not release it. <laughs> but is that the case though? We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never really or know. Or if he's just playing company man and trying to like give reason as to why the movie got canceled. Like, it's, hey, look, it's it's possible. Know? I mean, look, if you dig deep enough, you could start to see what some of the plot of that movie was, where some of the story went. There were some pages of script that leaked. If, and and it, Frazier, it, it, it did Frazier, not look good, bro. When Frazier gets not. his Oscar, people are going to start claiming even more. They probably are. You could have had a movie with an Oscar-winning actor. You didn't. Look, to me, Batgirl just never made sense. It, it, was, it was just one of those yeah. movies that again was greenlit by the people in charge before them who were fucking idiots and just didn't know what they were doing. Um, and I've always been as awful as, you know, it is to lose your job and to put so much effort and it is, you know, love into a passion, into a project, especially something like this, you know, for it to get canceled, like it's heartbreaking. But for me, I was always like, this movie just doesn't make sense. Right. It never made sense from day one. And people saying like people clamoring, shut the fuck up. You just want to, you just want, like you just, yeah, exactly. You just want a reason to be annoying. This to me is the the worst argument that I heard. They're like, well, DC doesn't stop DC putting out a bad movie before. It's like, oh, so they just keep releasing bad movies and keep keep hurting the brand. And keep, um, pretty much, um, Keep up the whole like stigma, stigma yeah. that DC films suck. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That let's, let's, yeah, that's real smart guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's just set us up for more failure down the road. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so dumb. If we can't sell a fucking movie with The Rock in it, well, <laughs> what else do you want from us? <laughs> what else do you want from us? Exactly. Yeah. Thank God, Black Adam's canceled. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank God I went to shit. Yep. Ugh, that movie was awful. Oh boy, but yeah. So we look like we're on a really good track with DC. Would you rather have The Rock running the show or James Gunn and oh, Saffron? Oh Jesus Christ, because we were we were going down that. We path. were going down. That, we were possibly going to go down. We were that possibly path. going down that path. Oh boy, I'm happy. Uh, I rather I I'll, I take Gunn and Saffron. <laughs> I'll take this any day. Are you any kidding day. me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? But no, it's 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 really exciting. Uh, hopefully, this really does get DC back on track. I you know the even though the choices seemed weird at first. Uh, I sort of like just this this mishmash of what we're getting and this um this like almost like diverse lineup of films and TV shows. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting, and I think that Gunn and Safran have enough foresight to know that they're going to get the best talent they possibly can to be a part of these projects. And the writers' room is very talented. The directors that have been mentioned before are heavy hitters. So. I'm excited, man. Me too. I really am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all right, Nerds Nation, that will do it for us. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of the Epic Nerds Podcast. Make sure you go back and check out some of our other episodes. We have a lot of good stuff. And uh, yeah, man, Martin, anything else you want to say? No, sorry. I just dropped my phone. You just dropped your phone, bro. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's it. Uh, somewhat optimistic DC episode. We'll see how it goes. We've been optimistic before. Going to get shat on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, guys. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.